to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear cast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and let's talk about God. Are you ready for a miracle? Yeah. Let's talk about God. Let's talk about the big cheese, the guy up in the sky, G-O-double-D God. Let's talk about the man with the plan, the man who lays his hands on our lives. Let's talk about God. Let's talk about the way things change over the years. Let's talk about the influence of a divine presence in our lives, guiding us as we decide to make changes, sometimes on things small and sometimes on things large. And some of those large things are books, and some of those books are about bears. And sometimes that bear book is 1992's The Berenstain Bears and The Broken Piggy Bank, or as it is also sort of known, 2013's The Berenstain Bears Piggy Bank Blessings. The first one's by Stan and Jan Berenstain. The second one is by Stan and Jan Berenstain with Mike Berenstain. Broken Piggy Bank, Piggy Bank Blessings. What does this have to do with God? What does this have to do with the idea of a divine creator? What does this have to do with the book of Proverbs? What does this have to do with money? It has everything to do with all three. It has everything to do with change. It has everything to do with, well, also change, but a different kind of change. Like the first one's like change, like I'm changing my life. The second one is like things you keep in a bank, like little pieces of little coins, that kind of change. The same story told two different ways with two different ideas for two different reasons. The Berenstain Bears and the Broken Piggy Bank by Stan and Jan Berenstain was published in 1992. It is a golden book and part of the Cub Club series, which we're about to dive into. Now, the Cub Club books aren't the greatest books in the world. I'm going to come right out and say it. These are not wonderful books. They're there to teach a lesson. They're there to tell a simple tale. Uh, They're kind of a little personality free, at least the, the ones I've taken a deep look at so far. But this is the Cub Club. Look, Ma, I'm reading the Cub Club. These are books you could order. They'd come in the mail. Uh, So we're not looking at Berenstain Bear books right now that are part of the deeper mythology. We're not looking at... These are not the books that you are going to have looked back on with glee, with pride, as a major part of your childhood. I mean, if there's a listener out there who absolutely adored the Berenstain Bears and the Broken Piggy Bank then I am terribly sorry you only got to read one book when you were a child because I can't imagine this making much of an impression. I mean, other other than the fact that it does introduce the notion to children of of banks only being accessible by smashing them with hammers. Uh, but the Berenstain Bears and the Broken Piggy Bank is there to teach a, a lesson about saving your money. It's a fine lesson. There's absolutely no reason why you wouldn't read it to a child. But let's take a look at it. Uh, I read the beginning of the book uh in the beginning, and it's not. I mean, starts in the store, and brother and sister are demanding toys. I want. It's written in an extremely simple language. If you didn't notice, uh, I'll read that part again. Brother saw a toy airplane one day. I want that, he said. Mama bought the airplane for brother. Sister saw a teddy bear. I want that, she said. Mama bought the teddy for sister, and it goes on like that. Like, look, look, said brother, a truck. I want that too. Mama did not buy the truck for him. 
And so you get you get the idea that this is for very small children, even younger than the first first time readers. Like these these are concepts that they are they are keeping simple, and they are using a lot of repetitive language in order to sell the ideas. But what happens is. Mama tells the cubs, you can't have everything you want. And they're like, why, not? why can't we have everything I want? So she gets this idea and she buys them a piggy bank. And she says, I'm going to buy you this piggy bank and it's going to teach you how to save. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's your basic, you know, it's a ceramic piggy bank. And they start saving every, every little bit of money they get. You know, pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, and even sometimes they'll stuff in a dollar bill. I want to draw your attention to the Bear Country dollar bill. It features a bear. On the front, not in profile, it is a, a, a face-on shot of a bear. It doesn't say who it is. We can only assume this is some founding father of bear country or bear nation or bear world. I don't know. But all it says on the, on the bill, there's not even a number. It just says dollar signs everywhere. And uh, it says legal tender. So maybe their paper currency is on some kind of honor system. I don't know. So Mama says that she's teaching them how to save and and save your money. And the Cubs are like, well, what, what are we saving for? And she says, you know, you're saving for something special. And they say, well, what's special? And she says, you're gonna, you'll know what special is. And so as we have seen in the past already, when the Cubs are, are meant to be saving up their money, they take odd jobs. They do extra chores. Uh, brother uh, empties the trash and sister – oh, I'm sorry. Brother does not empty the trash. He brings in the empty trash can. Now, this is an important distinction I'm going to make. So stick a pin in that. We'll get back to it. Uh, sister waters the flowers. Brother pulls out the weeds. And they put money in their bank. And so, you know, Mama acknowledges that they're learning how to save up their money. And, and Sister says, you know, we're putting all this money in the bank, but how are we supposed to get it out? Now, this is not your typical piggy bank that you'll see in a Target today that has a cork on the bottom. This is just a solid shell with a slot on top. And... Well, one day they're looking at the piggy bank and sister's like, I don't know how to get that money out. And brother says, well, you use a piggy bank opener. And he comes back with a hammer and he smashes that piggy bank. The cubs grab up handfuls of cash and run off. Mama comes in. She sees the destruction in the living room and she starts to worry that they've taken their money and they're going to spend it on candy or comic books or rides at Fun Park, all things that she has labeled foolish. And, and I, and I want I to draw attention to the fact that the Cubs, who at this point are probably like eight at the oldest, you know, six and eight, are taking their money by themselves and just leaving the house. And they, and Mama isn't like, oh, my goodness, where have my Cubs gone? She is like, I hope that they're spending their money wisely, even if they have gone all the way to Fun Park, which is apparently an amusement park with rides. She's not worried that they're going by themselves. So we see that Mama has decided that her cubs are worth the 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 trust to go out by themselves and do as they see fit as long as they are spending wisely. So the cubs come back and mama is upset to notice that they have returned with gigantic face-sized lollipops and she starts scolding them for wasting their money on foolish things but they said that we didn't waste our money on foolish things. We got something special. We got you a birthday present. And we have this wonderful, wonderful moment with Mama. A little, a mini monologue by Mama. So all of you listeners out there, for your next audition, consider using Mama's monologue from the Berenstain Bears and the Broken Piggy Bank. But my birthday is not until tomorrow. Oh dear, I am the foolish one. I forgot that tomorrow was my birthday. Must I wait until tomorrow to open it? Now, 
anyone who has ever analyzed a monologue for the purposes of of using that monologue for an audition knows that a good audition monologue is going to have a is going to be a mini play in and of itself. It's going to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's going to take you on a small journey. It's going to have a uh, a conflict and a resolution. And so what we're seeing here is that. Uh, yeah, you, 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 let's go on this journey with Mama. First, she's she's simply angry at her cubs, and she's chastising them, and she's chastising them doubly for being foolish. My birthday isn't until suddenly we have a shift in her uh, objective, which is the only reason that you ever change objectives. You only ever change objectives as an actor if your objective is met, or if it no longer applies. Her objective no longer applies. Suddenly, she realizes that oh no. I was I was wrong. I cannot scold my children anymore. I'm scolding myself. It, tomorrow, my birthday is tomorrow. I am the foolish one. Now, here she is. You know, she's kind of prostrating herself before the children, saying like, "Not only like are you not foolish, but I am. I am turning my my criticism back on myself, and I'm doing it in front of you, so that you see that I hold myself to the same standard to which I hold my own children. I forgot that tomorrow was my birthday. Must I wait?" until tomorrow to open it. She's she's giving her children now that she's she has handed the power over to them. So she has taken a chastisement. She has uh, learned from her mistakes. She has shown that she is sorry for doubting them in the first place. And now she is handing power back to the children in this conversation. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to take Mama's monologue and use it to audition for the next, I don't know, a dramatic piece, or perhaps for a uh, a, 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 a musical which requires a, a brief monologue in addition to a, a, a song. Please consider taking Mama's monologue. It is it is it is a it is a deep piece of 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 of, of playwriting. Um, I mean, a story in and of itself. And and any auditioner would be happy to see uh, see this piece brought to them. Just say. I will be performing the part of Mama Bear from the Berenstain Bears, the Broken Piggy Bank by Stan and Jan Berenstain, and then take a moment and launch into the monologue. You can use don't even you don't even need to use a chair. Don't even use a chair. Just use use the mo- it stands by itself. It sets itself up and it resolves itself. I think you're going to do well. Just trust trust what you can do. Trust in yourself. Take your own instincts and go with them. Plant your feet. Plant your feet. So the Cubs say, no, no, no. You can go ahead and open up that gift right now. Like we don't. We, we, we bought it for you and opened it, and it is a watch, a beautiful new watch. And so mom was like, thank you so much for buying me a watch. Like, it's great. Like, wow, what, what a wonderful gift. But where did you get those lollipops then? And she says, well, we got the watch at Mr. Jones's store, and Mr. Jones gave them to us because we're such great kids. She's like, you know what? He's right. You are great kids, and I'm lucky that I have such great kids. She gives him a big hug. And that's the end of the book. Now, cut to 2013. Uh, as we covered in our 50th episode, great interview with Mike Berenstain, son of Stan and Jan Berenstain, the, the man who who is bear country right now. Uh, sometime in the early 2000s, he they, sh- they switched publishers and they had the opportunity to uh, develop a new line of Berenstain bear books through their publisher's religious branch, uh, through Zondervan Publishing, which has a children's branch called Zonder Kids. And at the time, religious Christian publishing wasn't a big deal. It wasn't huge. And so they were like, let's create a line of Berenstain Bear books that we can sell at specialty stores. You don't, I don't even, there's things called Christian bookstores. They're not even that, 
I don't see them as much anymore because Christian publishing is so big that you just sort of see it everywhere now. It's in every Barnes and Noble. So uh, maybe the the need for specialty bookshops is just not so great anymore. But uh, so they were like, and we'll 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 sell these where religious books are sold. But what happened was. Uh, at the same time that the bear, and this was all covered in my episode, so forgive me for repeating. But at the same time that the bears came out with religious books, uh, religious publishing just took off like a shot. Uh, it had already been boosted by uh, the Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins, the the Left Behind series. So it was it was entering the mainstream, and these two happy accidents occurred, and it created this sudden resurgence of popularity in the Berenstain Bears as Christian books and. One of the things that Mike Berenstain has done now is he has gone back and rewritten, uh, adapted some of the older books to be religious books. As far as I can tell, it's none of the main books in the series. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna see, I'm gonna do some research and see if he's done any of the bigger books. But the Broken Piggy Bank was the first one I've come across chronologically in my searching that has been rewritten. I, I may be mistaken, but this is the one that I that really stood out because you can't find the Berenstain Bears in the Broken Piggy Bank anymore. Instead, what you'll find is the Berenstain Bears Piggy Bank Blessings, which uses all of the original illustrations done by Stan and Jan, but with new text. It's the same basic story, except the text has been simplified but kind of improved. Uh, the kids are no longer grabby. They ask, you know, may I have that toy plane? Mama says yes. She says, you know, you can't have everything you want. So she gets the idea to buy them the piggy bank. Now, here's where the changes start. And they're not huge changes, but they are noticeable. So if you picked up Piggy Bank Blessings, thinking it was just a reskin of the broken piggy bank, you're in for a surprise. So the original text of The Broken Piggy Bank says, The bank looked like a little pig. It was a piggy bank. It had a slot in the top for money. The new text says, The new bank looked like a small pig. It had a slot for money. The Bible says, We should all set aside some money. This will help you save, Mama said. We only lose one page in this, and that's just where Mama tells them to save for something special. But we do have this interesting change uh, to part of the Cubs' chores. In the original version, it says, sometimes they got money for jobs they did. They brought in the empty trash can. Now, in the new version, it says, brother and sister got money for the jobs they did. They emptied trash. Emptying trash and bringing in the empty trash can are two different things. Emptying trash requires a lot more effort. So, kudos. Kudos, Mike Berenstain, for giving the Cubs a little bit more work to do in exchange for their dollars and cents, because taking out the trash is a big deal for a small cup, especially with this gigantic trash can that they have to haul around. It's big. It's a big one. It's about the size of them. So um, we have the other, the questioning, you know, how will we know how to get the money out? And Mama says, yeah, you'll know. You'll know how to get the money out when you need to. And brother goes and he gets his hammer and they smash the bank and they run off out of the treehouse. And so Mama has another mini monologue. She has a mini monologue in the original book. Mama says, oh, dear. I hope brother and sister have not taken their money to buy something foolish. In the new version, Mama says, Oh dear, as Proverbs says, cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off. I hope they're using their money wisely. I absolutely love the addition. It is so weird and out of left field for Mama to quote scripture to herself, uh, especially... 
a proverb that is not exactly one that just springs to mind when I think about proverbs or the Bible or quotes about money in general. I mean, good on you, Mama. Good on you for uh, for pulling that one out of out, out of your pocket. I I I really appreciate the biblical deep cut. But uh, cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off. That's a good one. Like that's a good one. Like. I'm actually impressed. Like I really like I really like that one. It's it's biblical but weird biblical. Like I mean it's not like something out of like revelation but it's a it's a different it's not what I was expecting. It's not what I was expecting. So uh the cubs come home, they've got their lollipops. They give her the the gift. We lose the Mama Audition monologue. So sorry, everyone. If you get your hands on Piggy Bank Blessings, you won't have the text of the, of, the, uh, of the monologue. Instead, what you have is this. Mama said, oh, dear, it is my birthday tomorrow. May I open it now? Which, you know what? That's actually more like what a human being would say. So again, good on you, Mike Berenstain, for fixing that weird monologue. I mean, okay, uh, young actors and actresses out there, please feel free to use Mama's monologue. It works great as a piece of theater. It's very weird in a in a short children's book. Like it's weird to get like that many words devoted to mom, Mama figuring out that it's actually her birthday. So uh, good on you, Mike. Good on you for changing that moment, making it a little more uh, immediate, a little more dramatic, um, a little less self indulgent. So uh, they give her the thing, and you know it's a watch. So in the original text, Mama's present was a watch. In the new text, Mama's gift was a watch. She was thankful to God for her two loving cubs. And the rest of it follows pretty much the book until the very last page. Uh, In the very last page, Mama says, Mr. Jones is right about that. I am very lucky to have such fine cubs. And in the new version, she says, Mr. Jones is right about that. You are nice cubs. And like the good book says, their children will be a blessing. Now, I want to call that one out because, yeah, the good book does say that, which I am going to assume is from, um, from the book of Psalms. I was young and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be a blessing. Uh, So it's a little out of context. I I assume that they had Mike had trouble finding a good a good thing said about kids in the Bible. They don't actually talk about kids that much in the Bible outside of the abstract. You don't hear a whole lot of like, "Eh, "Well, kids are great." Moses isn't talking with Aaron at any point, and he's not just like, "You know what? You know what?" At the end of the day, kids are pretty good. Like, people don't just say that in the Bible. They're not just extolling the virtues of of children a lot. I mean, yeah, like, Jesus liked them. He was pretty down with kids in the Bible, but he wasn't always just going on about them. He wasn't, like, at at the Sermon on the Mount. He wasn't, you know, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those kids. I just want to give a shout out to kids. Just kids in general are great. I just, I absolutely... Everyone, just stop what you're doing and just give it up for kids. Their kids are great. They don't really. No one really does that. So I can see where Mike was probably like, "Oh, I got to find something, something a, a real zinger at the end of the book." So good for you for finding that in the psalm. That's just. It was probably a tough job. So, uh, so I want to take a look. I just I want to talk briefly about this adaptation because, you know, when I say like Mike Berenstain went back and he changed a few of the books to make them quote-unquote religious, uh, many people react negatively. They, I get a lot of like, ooh. And I think some of this comes from the fact that because the Berenstain Bears kind of got popular again because of the resurgence of 
the uh, the religious books, people tend to think of them as as religious characters. And while that's definitely true in these books, it's not true in general, as we know. But what does it mean to make a book a religious book? Well, except for the ones that are explicitly about Christmas or Bible stories specifically. So far, the Zonder Kids books I've read aren't very Christian-y. I mean, they are in the way they approach religion, but they don't name drop Jesus a lot. Like, if you've noticed in this one, it's uh, it's very much about God and blessings. And that seems to be what the, the focus of the books are, is, is appreciating what you have and approaching the things you have as gifts from a higher power, as gifts from God. They're really about being good people and approaching the world a, a bit more humbly than the general Berenstain Bears book line asks you to approach the world. I guess if I'm going to put it, uh, couch it in just regular terms, Um even in this book, the big quote we get from Mama, cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off, isn't explicitly religious. It's, you know, it's from Proverbs, but it's not, it doesn't have anything to say with, say about God or, or anything like that. It simply, it takes its authority from, uh, from the Bible. And it, it, the point it's making is, you know, like, don't, don't overdo it getting rich because money's not forever. And as soon as you have a lot of money, it's it's gone. And this is all part of the whole like, here's just some tips for living. The whole it's the whole section that like you know like Polonius is kind of like trying to do in Hamlet. Um, so it's just good advice, and I think that is good advice. Like that is that's advice you could put in any book. You know, don't don't put too much store by a lot of money because it's ephemeral and it's going to be gone with the wind. And Mama discovers that, and she also discovers that her kids are pretty good. So. It's, I mean, I mean, she knew that her kids are pretty good. They're pretty good kids. So we ha- here we have two books, which are ostensibly about saving money. The second book adds a little biblical authority behind it. Uh, whereas the first book comes across as somewhat thin, the addition of the, of the religious quotations, the biblical quotations, actually adds a little bit of meat to an otherwise forgettable book. I mean, it's still not you know, like a book that you're going to keep whipping out every now and then because it's such a great read. But on the scale of of Broken Piggy Bank to Piggy Bank Blessings, I'm going to come down a little harder on the Piggy Bank Blessings side. The art is the same. The text is improved, streamlined. Even though it's simpler, it actually isn't as clunky as the original text, and it adds a layer of, I won't even say it necessarily adds a layer of religion, it it just adds a little biblical backing, <laughs> a little classics to your, uh, to your piggy bank story. Um, so I guess the whole point I'm trying to make is if you're, if you're, I mean, if you're someone who's not going to buy a, a religious book, then obviously you're not going to buy this. But if you're looking for a religious book for your kids, a book that invokes religion without being heavy-handed, that doesn't use it as a way to frighten kids. This is a pretty soft entry and a pretty uh, a pretty decent way to to start introducing books like that to your bookshelf. It uses biblical text in a way that I'm not always down with, which is kind of like clipping 
bits out of context and applying it to a different unrelated story. But because we're talking about Proverbs and Psalms, I think you're a little bit more allowed to do that. Like it makes a little bit more sense. Like they're not like, Mike Mike Berenstain isn't like cherry picking Deuteronomy and like finding like rules of the priesthood and trying to apply them to like the bear's actions. I I would be fascinated to see that. I don't know. Maybe it does happen in the future, but uh, I'm waiting to hear back from Mike on that one. So, uh, Breaking news from deep within bear country. After I recorded this episode, I received a letter from Mike Berenstain in response to a few questions I had asked regarding the reworking of the older books. I asked how he approached it and what criteria he looked for and if there were certain books he considered off limits. Now, Mike responded in his usual very enthusiastic manner, and by that I mean with paragraphs of information regarding his approach to the rewriting and reworking process. Not only how it's done and why it's done, but also his philosophy about what the Berenstain Bear books are for and who the audience for these rewrites actually is. So when the Living Lights titles were published in 2008, the public response was above and beyond what they had expected and Zondervan asked for follow-up titles. And Mike and his mother, Jan, were unable to you know, increase their output, them being only two people. But Zondervan really wanted new titles in a variety of formats to follow up on the success of the initial launch. And so they asked if there were any out-of-print books to which they controlled the rights, which would be adaptable for the Living Lights line. So Mike sent them a a variety of books that had been long out of print, and Zondervan made a selection they thought would work, and Mike worked with editors to make the adaptations to the text. And that's pretty much the way he's been going uh, since then. Now, in response to my question, if he considered certain titles off limits. He says that he feels that nothing is off limits because when a book goes out of print, he always tries to find a way to get it back into print in its original form. And he's done this with eBooks uh, for HarperCollins and Open Road and print books for Dover and source books. However, he says that if no publishers are interested in reissuing titles, he views them as, quote, orphaned. And at that point, he's happy to give them a new lease on life by adapting them to the Living Light series or to some other function. In his view... These books are available in their original form in thousands of copies in the used book market. Republishing the book with revised content does not alter this. Now, here's the part that I really found interesting, and it's a philosophy that I personally agree with and find refreshing coming from a creator and an adapter of original work. He says, quote, I've noted that some fans resent the reissue of old books in a new form, viewing the original content of the books as sacrosanct. However... I would much rather see these older titles continue to live and thrive in the world of current publishing than allow them to become purely objects of nostalgia. My function is to serve an audience, children, the current generation of children. Adults act as gatekeepers to this audience, but it is the needs and interests of children that are my concern. And this is a philosophy that I have found myself personally agreeing with in regards to many works of classic children's literature that get reworked for modern audiences. Uh, because there's, there are, as he brings up, two different ways of looking at this. Are, are classic works of literature there for nostalgia's sake, or are they living works that need to be presented to new audiences in ways that new audiences can relate to them? Now, obviously, we're not saying to eschew the old, but when it comes to books like, say, Richard Scarry's Busy Town, 
on books, where new publishers have gone through and put helmets on bike riders, changed the genders to many of the workers from all men to a mix of men and women, and have shown more male figures working in jobs that had traditionally been considered jobs for women. Some people throw up their arms and say this is a, you know, a destruction of the original intent of the author, while other people say this these are books that are intended to illuminate and educate children today and should be adapted to reflect the changing uh, viewpoints of uh, of the general human population of the earth. And that's something that I agree with. It doesn't eliminate the existence of the original product. It simply says that these are living and breathing works that aren't intended to solely reflect the time in which they were written. So Mike's response completely reflects that philosophy, and it is one that, like I said, I wholeheartedly agree with. He says that, uh, interestingly, there's a general slackening of public interest in the books on ethical subjects published by Random House and HarperCollins, with a reciprocal increase of interest in such subjects published by Zondervan and that their current sales are about equally divided among Random House, HarperCollins, and Zondervan, That's with each publisher representing about a third. Obviously, there is an interest in books like these, and whether or not you think that the older book should be rewritten to reflect the, the new interests of readers, as Mike says, otherwise, these books are just going to disappear and only be available through specialty sellers and used booksellers. And so what he is doing is giving them a new life by giving them a new perspective. And that is something that I respect and that I can appreciate. And now, back to the original episode. Berenstain Bears and Broken Piggy Bank. Berenstain Bears, Piggy Bank Blessings. If you gotta buy one... Well, you're going to buy piggy bank blessings because Broken Piggy Bank, I don't even think it's for sale anymore. So you're going to have to buy it used and you never know what you're going to get. So piggy bank blessings. Otherwise, nothing. Wait till the next, wait till your next Berenstain Bears opportunity. <laughs> so that's it. That's it for this week. Uh, thank you for joining me. My name is Phil Gonzalez. And, but wait, 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 wait. Before you go anywhere, I have an announcement. Sunday, March 19, 10 a.m., there is going to be a deep in bear country, a Berenstain Bearcast live show. Yes, a live show at Moon Palace Books in South Minneapolis. It's going to be about an hour long, 10 a.m. Sunday, March 19th. I'll have guests. We will be discussing the Berenstain Bears and the New Neighbors, a much requested, much anticipated book. In the Berenstain Bears universe, we'll have a panel there discussing the book, discussing its themes, discussing what works, what doesn't. We're going to be talking about racism in bear country. We're going to be talking about prejudice and community and how you can make your neighbors feel more welcome. We're going to have some laughs. We're going to have some deep talks. It's going to be a good time. If you live in the area, come on down. Moon Palace Books, March 19, 10 a.m., Sunday. No charge. Stick around the store afterwards. Buy some books, and they will love you. They're wonderful people. It's a wonderful bookstore, and I am so, so, so looking forward. In the coming weeks, I will be putting out uh, announcements on Facebook. I will be filling in the gaps on who my guests are. I'll be uh, covering it a lot better. But this is the first big announcement. March 19, 10 a.m., Moon Palace Books, Sunday. If you can't make it, I'll, I'll be thinking of you. Otherwise, I am Phil Gonzalez. I'm always here. Talk about those bears, and I will see you next week deep in 
a bear country. 